President Trump just recently returned from his trip to India, and I watched as much as I could of that on television. I stayed up the first night he was there. It was nighttime here. I stayed up until after four in the morning watching, and it was it was beautiful. Uh, first, the crowds were so huge and so enthusiastic, and all the way from the airport, the streets were lined. Uh, I guess he started out at the Gandhi Ashram. I didn't see that. But all the way from there, all the way to the cricket stadium, the street was lined with people cheering enthusiastically and all dressed up in their colorful outfits, you know. And then when they got in the stadium, I think there were reports of 120,000 people in the stadium, all cheering and uh of course, he was there with uh, his wife, Melania, and uh, uh, Prime Minister Modi was there. And just the relationship between Trump and Modi, I mean, they uh, hugged and you could just tell they really respected and had an affinity for one another, you know. Now, these days, you know, saying anything positive about uh President Trump can get you into trouble. And I'd like to let all that go and just look beyond that. Look at the, uh, just the beauty of the fact that there are two great, huge nations from such uh, radically different cultures uh, bonding. Uh, because the, I mean, the, the president, the prime minister, they're the uh, leaders of the whole country. They represent the whole country. And it's it's said, you know, that uh, they embody the country. Uh, it's been said that we get the president that we deserve because that's the spirit of the country in its essence at that moment. Uh, it's also been said that, you know, Modi is basically the Trump of uh, India. They, they do see eye to eye uh, with respect to their belief in a strong economy and uh, the uh, idea that, you know, it's only fitting and proper that because they represent their nation, their nation comes first. But that doesn't mean that um, their nation comes first to the detriment of other nations. Uh, it's just that that's where their affinities lie. That's where their allegiance lies. And there's such a thing, for goodness sakes, as a win-win as a situation. But to really attain that win-win situation, each leader of each country has allegiance to their country. Their country for them comes first. And if that's held uh, honorably and wisely, it's the best thing that could be for all nations. It sort of reminds me of uh, this whole idea of uh, cultural integrity uh, versus racism. Um, too often, there's not a clear delineation made between those two things. 
I like to say that racism is cultural integrity gone insane. But each culture has their own affinities, their own nature, their own tendencies, their own ways. And it's not uh, racist to acknowledge that and uh, embrace that and honor that, which was a big part of what was going on uh, with uh, President Trump in India. You know, in the, in the past, I've seen uh, former presidents with the leaders of India, and it just, it always struck me as just so awkward. It's like they just couldn't connect. They're just two different worlds, and th there was just such a discomfort in the atmosphere when they were shown, you know, together on television or what have you. But with Trump and Modi, it wasn't that way at all. It was cultural integrity, each representing their nation with honor and dignity, but at the same time, a mutual respect between cultures, between nations. And the world needs that. It's not like when the world ever became enlightened, there would be a whitewashing of the whole world, one culture, one belief system, one social orientation, one religion. It's, it's not like that. Uh, each home, each family has its own nature, its own integrity, its own uh, religious orientation, social orientations, cultural orientations. And that feeds the moral fiber of the family. And that feeds, that sort of thing feeds the moral fiber of a nation. And to see that played out so beautifully when Trump was visiting India was, uh, I'll tell you, it was heartwarming for me. It was like a, a, a glimpse at the uh, potential of what the world could be, what the family of nations could be and should be. Um, Donald Trump and Prime Minister Modi could become their relationship could and should really become a, a, a model uh, for all nations. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we are saying that Donald Trump's political viewpoint is right. I don't even want to get into the politics of it. That's not what this is about. This is about uh, cultural integrity, the respect between nations, how nations can get along, how nations should get along, and what's involved in that. It's an honoring. You know, I was around uh, my teacher, and he, I, I had the opportunity to, to see him visit uh, the heads of different nations all over the world, uh, presidents and heads of uh, oh, di uh, Japan, for example. And he was Indian, and his personal cultural integrity, I mean, he lived it. He was the embodiment of integrity. 
And he never even thought for a moment of compromising his roots, undermining his roots, uh, whitewashing where he came from. But I remember when he went and uh, uh, met the president of Japan, and then also there was a president, oh, who was it? Some leader from uh, the Caribbean, I can't remember. But there was such an honoring that it actually enhanced the integrity, enhanced the uh, strength and beauty of the leaders that he was meeting and then thereby honored the integrity of those very nations. It's if it supported, it built up the best of any of those nations, every one of those nations. You see, everything, and it's important to understand, everything is a mandala. A mandala is like a circle. There's a low end of the circle and there's a high end of the circle. In every culture, if you think about it, every culture, every nation, every race, there can be generalizations about the low end and about the high end. And to live life with integrity and with decency isn't to shine a light on the low end of the generalizations that are made about a particular culture but rather to shine a light and uphold and enhance and feed the high end of that culture, the greatness of that culture. And that was really what was so beautiful about these hours that I watched of uh, Trump visiting India, is it was such a celebration, a celebration of the high end of both cultures. And it was, it was beautiful and it, offered such promise to the future of the world what it could be. It was almost like a, a glimpse into uh, an age of enlightenment when all the different cultures support one another. How you could just tell on their faces, Melania's face and uh, President Trump's face, you could see that they, they really loved India. You could just see it in them. You could feel it in them. They thought it was uh, so rich. And they weren't um, put off by it or they weren't uh, feeling awkward about it at all. Quite the contrary. It almost, in a, in a funny kind of way, it almost felt like they seemed like they were home or they just were so at home with the uh, uh, embrace of India. You know, knowledge is a uh, fascinating thing. Uh, there are so many different paradigms, so many different approaches uh, to knowledge. And if we get too provincial, too limited in our thinking, we just have our one paradigm. And we don't see past it. And in any, any paradigm, any sort of knowledge or understanding that may exist and thrive in another culture, we basically ignore or reject or just think it's kind of weird. But we could say that the paradigm of the West, of uh, the United States, uh, for example, is uh, 
very scientific in a very Newtonian and classical physics sense. And then uh, in India, it's a very different thing. It's a, it's a Vedic knowledge, and it's a whole different paradigm. It's a whole different approach. Yes, we could say that the scientific approach is addressed uh, in the Vedic literature, and it's gone into in great detail there, actually. But there's more to it. There's much more to it. And the potential of the uh, technologies that it would afford the world uh, is something to really um, think about. The whole field of Stapatyaveda, you know, Vedic architecture, uh, for example, uh, Gandharvaveda, music, and the the understanding of uh, what music is in its essence and how everything bubbles out in a very real, very um, accessible way to living our daily life in a manner that's in harmony with nature. What does in harmony with nature even mean? You know, that's something that in the West, I'm not so sure we give that much thought. But in harmony with nature means that there is something inherent in the nature of a human being. I guess in the West you'd call it, uh, in America you'd call it an inalienable right. It's unalienable because it's, it's who we are. We can't alienate ourselves from that. It's our own nature. Whereas in India, there's a whole Vedic understanding of what it means to live in harmony with nature, what it looks like to live in harmony with nature. But we can't be simplistic about it either. It's not some superficial rule book. It's a fundamental understanding of the nature of existence and the very idea that deep within each individual, there's a divinity. Trump even talked about that when he was in India. He, he mentioned it. There's a divinity in the essence of each and every individual that's one with nature, one with Mother Nature, and is our own very unique individual nature. And the whole path of growth and evolution in life is to then live in harmony with your own nature, which means that you would be living in harmony with Mother Nature, because we're all a part of nature. So this idea of natural law is a, a beautiful thing, and how to cultivate that, how to go about cultivating living life, not just in accord with a handful of rule books. The rule books can be good. They're signposts along the way. But that's what they are, is signposts along the way to resting into our own jiva. It's called our own unique individuality that is nevertheless in harmony with all of nature. And so the techniques of, uh, for example, meditation, uh, everything really about the, the Veda culture, which Hinduism is based on, is, is what's called the Veda. The Veda basically is nature. Uh, and how to go about cultivating our ability then to rest into our own true nature and therefore live in harmony with Mother Nature, which means to live in harmony with everything in nature. And that's... That is the real root of world peace. Finding it within yourself and having a whole world of individuals then that are living in harmony with their own nature, which means that their own culture. We be, that's what culture means. Culture means we culture our being. 
we culture our life. And when a nation is really functioning in harmony with nature, then what is cultured in the people is in harmony with the very land. You see, the laws of nature are different on a mountaintop than they are in a desert, for example. And so the very fundamental qualities of the culture itself are in harmony with the land, in harmony with nature, on all these different levels. You see what nature means? It's different on different levels, isn't it? But it all is rooted in the same one essence. And that one essence, you know, in the West they call it the unified field, the unified field you know. Uh, uh, or you can look at it from another perspective and say it's uh, the one thing that is the source of everything, which from a theological perspective people would call God. So we live our life in harmony with that one thing that's the source of all nature. Or from a religious or spiritual perspective, you would say you're living in, in, in a manner that's in harmony with God. You see, your life is one with God. You can say it that way. Uh, and that sort of understanding is, is crucial, particularly in our age. Because otherwise, um, if, if we lose the fundamental understanding of the unified field or of God, and then it just becomes like some guy sitting on a cloud or whatever, uh, uh, the understanding of the whole thing just almost becomes like a uh, blind faith where, uh, versus a deep and profound understanding of the nature of life. And see, it's Vedic knowledge that really goes deeply into the science of that. It doesn't mean that everybody becomes a Hindu. Of course not. But what it does mean is it can shine light on a deeper understanding of everything that's in the Bible, everything that's in Christianity, and vice versa. One nation, when it upholds and honors another nation, feeds that nation, deepens our appreciation not only of that other nation, but of our own nation, of our own life, of our own world, of our own culture. So it was a beautiful thing to witness. You know, um, there was a Jyotishi. This is very interesting. And a, a, a what would you call him? A, a, some would say an astrologer, a prophet even. I mean, I don't know what people might uh, think of them. But uh, this was like several decades ago. And this is kind of a weird thing, so get ready for it. But he said that um, the age of enlightenment would come when a man with orange hair was president of the United States. Now, <laughs> I, I'm not saying he attributed it to the fact that that individual was president, but uh, uh, it is very interesting that that's what was said and that we got with this meeting between Trump and Modi in India, we got an inkling, a sense that, oh my goodness, that could be the birth of an age of enlightenment an age of harmony among human beings throughout the whole planet, between different cultures, between different nations. So it was very inspiring and very beautiful. And uh, I look forward to seeing what unfolds along those lines.